We have certainly been blessed with young children, and I'm thrilled to be here with you this morning to open God's Word to you, especially about a subject that is so important for our lives. I'll get back into that subject in just a minute, but by way of introduction, let me ask a few questions. Imagine first the people that you love the most coming to your home for a meal. What would you prepare? What china and silver would you use? How would you set the table? And what would you do if this was going to be the last meal that you were able to ever have with them? Today, we're dealing with what we call at times the Last Supper. Given at the end of the earthly ministry of Jesus, we call it the Lord's Supper. We call it Communion. An incredibly simple meal, yet full of meaning and power. Jeff's been leading us through talking about the grace within reach, avenues of grace, ways in which we grow in the Lord. We have heard about prayer, which grows our relationship with our Father who hears us. We've heard about the preaching of the Word of God, which grows us in our understanding of who our great God is and what He has done for us. And it grows us in our understanding of who we are and then actually our embracing who we are, a redeemed, rescued people, sinners saved by grace, saints, beloved. This week, we see that we will grow. We mature as we partake of the Lord's Supper, the supper which he prepared for the beloved children of God, a supper that shows forth what he did for you and me. The word of God is found in 1 Corinthians 11. Hear the word of God, beginning with verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes." Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. Let us pray together. Our Father, we come together this morning with many preoccupations and concerns which are on our minds. There are many hurts and pains in our lives. 
Father, we ask that you would fill our minds with yourself this morning. Father, we need you today. What we are talking about is the Lord's Supper. And when we hear that, many of us might even think, um, I sort of know it all already. But Father, we ask that you would come and invade our hearts and our minds by your Spirit. Teach us, instruct us how better to partake of this meal in order that unworthy people might take the meal in a worthy manner. Give us ears to hear what you have for us. Warm our hearts towards you and one another. May we love you more as a result of being here today. Then may we go from here, Father, shining as lights in a dark world, pointing others to that light, the Lord Jesus, whom we seek to reflect. In his matchless name we pray. Amen. Our Father has given a meal for the beloved. You remember that in the Old Testament in Egypt, the Lord had his beloved put blood over the doors of their homes. And those homes were passed over. And the firstborn males were spared in those homes. Now we're in Jerusalem. And Jesus, during that very Passover feast gives the Lord's Supper to his disciples. And it's amazing to see the similarities between the meals, Passover and the Lord's Supper. Both are meals of remembrance, of God's saving his people. Both remember specific events that God did for his people. Both meals remember a sacrifice. Both meals remember the sacrifice of a lamb. And we'll come back to that One symbolizes the liberation of God's people from slavery. And one remembers Christ's deliverance of us from sin and death. The major difference was that the Passover had blood. Now, because of Jesus shedding his blood on the cross, in the Lord's Supper, there is no longer blood. Rather, the fruit of of the vine that represents that blood. The Lord's Supper is a meal for those redeemed by the Lamb of God. Your Father has prepared a meal for you, His beloved. A meal that is so simple, a meal that has such power, a meal that keeps giving, it keeps feeding, a meal that you will never forget. He tells us, remember, remember. How many weddings have you been to? Now, I've been to a lot. And I was thinking about this. Um, How many of the meals at those weddings do you remember? I remember the venue. I may remember the cake because I really like cake. But I don't remember many meals. Now, I understand that if you were the ones who paid for that meal, you remember that meal very well, and probably every bite of that meal. I do remember what we ate at the weddings of Joseph and Sadie, and at the wedding of Jonathan and Tanya. Some of you know that our only daughter, Sarah Jane, is getting married this summer. And I will remember that wedding and the meal, whatever we eat, and every other detail. 
not primarily because of what is paid, but because of relationship. In contrast, this feast this morning that we partake of, the Lord's Supper, is one we remember even though we paid nothing. But another did pay. Jesus paid with his very life. The Lord's Supper is a meal that we will never forget. Jesus said, remember me. This meal was meant to feed and nourish the beloved. We are not just his possession. We are his desired possession. He does not just own us. He desires us and he provides for us. I love the phrase, the meal that feeds and nourishes the beloved. I learned that phrase this week from my daughter, Sarah Jane. Did I say she's getting married? (laughs) She's moving out of country. She's going to Texas. Uh, um, It's emotional around our house right now. It really is, but it's good. Jeff spoke about our being a cherished people. And now the cherished are nourished in this meal. You might say, what are you talking about? This meal doesn't have enough food to nourish and feed a mouse. But let me give you a new perspective. We're nourished in the Lord's Supper if we look at the right things. Dr. J.I. Packer, an amazing man of God, writes an article entitled, Taking the Lord's Supper Seriously. Very interesting, taking the Lord's Supper seriously. And he deals with the things that we are to look toward in the Lord's Supper. So let me ask, where are we to look in the Lord's Supper? And first, we look at ourselves. Let a person examine himself, verse 28, so to eat and drink of the bread and the cup. We are not to examine ourselves or examine those who are seated near us. Don't look or examine or critique a spouse or the one with whom you have a difficult relationship. Look at your deeds and your words. What have you done, maybe even this morning, that has hurt someone? What have you said that has pierced the heart of another? About whom have you said some really unkind words? What judgments have you made that are utterly devoid of grace? Of what do you need to repent and ask forgiveness? Look at the good things which you've left undone. What door did God open this week for you to step in and to minister to someone, yet you walked on past? What opportunity did you have to show the love of Jesus, yet you decided to pass it up? We leave so much undone. And we don't love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Look at your own heart and motives. And I know that one's hard. Are you blessing others or building yourself up? Is there envy in your heart toward another? Look at yourself and remember that this meal is for weak 
malnourished, needy people. And that is who we are. Upon seeing ourselves, we are to to confess. And if you can't think of anything to confess, you need help. You really do. Consider some of the random thoughts that have run through your head even in the last hour or the last week. The thoughts you have entertained, the evil that you wished on another, the sordid dreams. I'm amazed at the junk that can pass through my mind. So the Lord's table is a time for us to look at ourselves and to confess. Who is worthy to come to the table? No one. And that's the point here. It is only as the righteousness of Christ is given to us that we can come. Look at yourself and remember that this meal is for the weak and the needy today. Know that this meal is not for the worthy. Those things that you think you have done in your own accomplishments. But look at yourself and know that Jesus has paid the price for you. He gives us his worthiness. But we're also told to partake in a worthy manner. And we do that as we look at ourselves and confess our sins. We do that as we look not just at ourselves, but we also look back at Jesus, to his coming, which we just celebrated at Christmas. He has left his father and taken on our form. And as he does that, we look and see his life, his sinless life. We see that he was our substitute. He took our place on the cross, your place and my place on the cross. When we see this bread and cup, we should see his body broken and on the cross. We should see his blood spilled out for us. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. We look to his death and his resurrection and his victory over death. Yes, we look at Calvary and we know that the price was paid. Reconciliation was accomplished. He clothes us now in his righteousness and adopts us into the family of God. We now experience forgiveness. I'm often invited to the banquet of some ministry and I sit at a table that some host or hostess paid a lot of money for. And then, appropriately, they ask you to make a donation to a very great cause. And all that is good. But this table of the Lord this morning is different. You can't buy your entrance to it. It is paid. That's what it means on the cross when Jesus says, It is finished. Testelestai. It is finished paid in full. Come and sit and be fed, be nourished. So we look back to Jesus, but we also look up to Jesus. Jesus now reigns in glory, seated by his father. He is the almighty, infinite, eternal, unchangeable God in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, 
and truth. He reigns and he sees all. But the question is, is he so high and far away that he only watches? Some of you would remember the song of Bette Midler from years ago as she would sing, from a distance, the world looks blue and green and the snow-capped mountains white. From a distance, the ocean meets the stream and the eagle takes to flight. From a distance, there is harmony and it echoes through the land. It is the voice of hope. It is the voice of peace. It is the voice of every man. And then she says, God is watching us. God is watching us. God is watching us from a distance. And that really captures much of the thought of our culture today. If there is a God, many would say, either he is uninterested or unable to intervene in the affairs of man, or he's unwilling to get involved. He only watches, and that from a distance. Now, if the psalm writer were to hear Midler's song, he would not recognize the God being spoken of. And he would shout, no, that is not God. For Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God does not watch from a distance. He is present and he cares and he intervenes. This meal shows that to us. He gives it to us by his very hands. And as we look up at Jesus, he is standing there with arms wide open to receive his children. Yes, we look up to Jesus also. But we also look forward to the return of Jesus. Verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As you partake of the bread and the juice, think of the fact that he is going to return for you. He is now preparing a place for you and he's going to come again. We look at the fact that he's coming back in glory. My brother-in-law says that Jesus is coming back in a stretch limo. I'm not sure about that, but we do know that he was born in humility, the humility of a manger, of a barn, of a trough, of a cave. That is not how Jesus comes back. He is coming back in splendor and in glory to make all things new. We look back to Jesus and we think about salvation past and how he accomplished that. And we look forward to the return of Jesus and we think of salvation future. And sometimes we miss salvation present, living today. He promises to be with us now. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He tells us, I am with you always to the end of the age. I will never leave you nor forsake you. We're often so consumed by the pains of the past and the fears of the future. 
that we miss today. And today is what we have. And Jesus walks right alongside of us by His Spirit. So as you look at yourself, and as you look at Jesus, also we look at each other. Look around at others. Take a minute, look at someone, see someone. Beloved, this is the body of Christ. This is His church. God has made us for relationship with Himself and with each other. The Lord's Supper is a community event to be served with others so that even if we take communion to a shut-in, we try to take others with us. That is what the church is. Christ died for His beloved his called people who make up the church. And now, as we in the church look to Jesus, we must look at each other, for we are here to love and to serve each other. We are meant to live our lives in service to each other and to a needy, broken world. And this meal reminds us of that. I love the words of Packer in his article, He says this, as we share in the supper, we should be asking ourselves and asking the Lord Jesus to show us what human needs we should devote ourselves to serving once our worship service is over and we have scattered back into the wider world. We would mar our professed discipleship badly, turning it into formality hypocrisy, and radical unreality should we fail to re-consecrate ourselves at each communion service to serve the needy. For in that failure, we would be declining to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Great words for us as we move towards our mission festival in a couple weeks as we consider how to love our neighbors near and far. Great words for us as we see these baskets up here on our communion Sundays, a time where we can bless through our deacons' funds others in our own body who have real needs. Consider that. Ponder how you bless others. Christianity is a personal walk, but it is to be lived and fleshed out in community. We live in dependence upon our great God and interdependence upon each other in the body of Christ. But this meal is also an international, multicultural, multilingual meal. And so we look beyond the local church to the global church, God's people throughout the world. What's the most powerful, meaningful Lord's Supper that you have ever experienced? You have one or two, perhaps, maybe not, and that's okay. For me, it's a toss-up as we every month have intention and are able to have you come forward and to look in your eye and remind you that this is the body of Christ. This is the blood of Christ. That's pretty special. 
One other one comes to mind also, and that was about 10 years ago. And Scott DeVries and I were in Turkey with one other friend from the United States. We'd been invited to a retreat center on the Black Sea, and there were about 25 brothers and sisters from the Middle East, from Iraq, Iran, Egypt, Syria, Palestine, and Turkey. And after sharing our lives for a few days, that very last day, we were served the Lord's Supper by one of our brothers. The strange thing, I did not understand a word said. But I knew the words, and I knew what to remember. And it was amazing to partake with those brothers and sisters from around the world. The table of the Lord is for all Christ followers around the world, from ages past to ages to come. How beautiful is that? As we talk about this, I must mention one other story. Um, Some of you have heard this story. It's actually a Christmas story, um, but it took place in February. And it took place on a mountain in Mexico, You see, December is the harvest season for these humble farmers who live in these mountains. And so they had decided historically to celebrate Christmas in February. A friend asked me to go with him and to take pictures, and I could not have been more excited. So I drive a couple hours to his house, and then we're on the road about four hours, and we're going through paved roads and dirt roads. Um, Every little village we pass by, I say, Andy, is this Monte Rosa? And he says, nope, not yet. It's coming. Well, finally, the road ended. And Andy said, okay, let's go. Let's walk. Well, um, literally a couple hours later, after traversing the mountain trails and the slopes, um, we are on the top of a mountain. And he said, welcome to Monte Rosa. There were three huts there humble huts. And there were some beautiful men, women, and children there. And before long, some other families started coming from other mountains. And they were bringing with them some of their crops from their little farms. They were bringing with them some of their animals because we were going to have a three-day feast to celebrate Christmas in Monte Rosa. Well, I was there. I saw a few of them off to the side here. And I decide to go see what they're doing. Well, they've grabbed a goat. And they have put that goat into ropes. And they lay that goat on a rock. And I realize they're slaughtering it. Man, I'm going to get pictures of this. Well, the knife goes up and the knife comes down. The goat goes crazy, screaming. I'd never heard anything like it. And I was completely unnerved. Well, about 30 minutes later, I saw the process beginning again. Um, This time they had a lamb. Now, there was no 7-Eleven to go to. I mean, there was nothing else to do. So I decided, I'm going to go watch again. Well, this time I get over there. And the man raises the knife, but then he stops. And he turns to me and he says, this one is different. And I was insulted. I know the difference between a goat and a lamb. (laughs) But I didn't. I didn't know the difference. 
that knife came down and I braced. I braced for the scream that never came. There was complete silence. And the eyes of the lamb were this big around as the lifeblood flowed out until that lamb died. And I'm not sure that my life has ever been the same since then. Because what came to mind immediately was Isaiah 53. Listen to it. But he, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. I went to a Christmas celebration on a mountain in Mexico, and I got a message about the Lord's Supper there. Beloved, that's our Savior. That is what he did for us. That is what we remember today in this meal. Let me also say that this meal is a precursor of a meal that is to come, and it involves a lamb also. Listen to the word of God as found in Revelation 19. Upon the return of Jesus, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let me rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Friends, we have a government that is shut down, whatever that means or will mean. But the reign and rule of Jesus is eternal, never ending or changing. And it is glorious. We are the unworthy who have been made worthy by Jesus. And we partake in a worthy manner as we look at ourselves, as we look back at Jesus, and as we look up to Jesus and even see him among us. We partake in a worthy manner as we look forward to his return, as we look toward each other, as we look at the church globally, and as we see the church at the marriage table of the Lamb. I'm going to pray in just a minute, and I ask you to take a look and start with yourself, and you're not going to have time to consider yourself and then to look at all the other things I've mentioned, but I encourage you to do that sometime today. I'll ask our servers to come forward in a minute and um, they will 
um, be up front and then I will give more instructions to you about how we will um, have you come forward. But let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Words simply do not express what is in the heart. Father, as we have been here today listening to your word, as we are served this meal, may it be for each of us as if it is from your very hands, scarred and pierced. Father, may we see those hands, your hands, which are serving us this meal. Father, we ask you to come, minister to us, feed us, nourish us, because we are your beloved. Amen. Take a moment now to prepare your hearts, and those who are serving may come forward.